Eat Okra is an app that was created by Anthony and Janique Edwards in 2016 as a way for diners to find and support Black-owned businesses in their neighborhoods. It began as a passion project with maybe a couple of dozen downloads and in less than five years has exploded to more than 9,000 business listings and 335 thousand unique users. On this week's episode, I'm talking with the two of them about their unique journey and the incredible growth of this app. Most importantly, they're here to talk about what they've learned about our industry now having worked so closely uh, with chefs and operators. They're sweet and smart and doing this for all the right reasons. I think you're going to love this conversation. Stick around. There's an old saying goes something like this. You'll only find three kinds of people in the world. Those who see, those who will never see, and those who can see when shown. This is Restaurant Strategy, a marketing podcast for anyone who's looking. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. My name is Chip Close and this is Restaurant Strategy, a weekly podcast dedicated entirely to the restaurant industry. Each week we toggle back and forth between a monologue style format and an interview, but the goal is always the same, to take complicated marketing concepts and make them both understandable and actionable. Why? Because like I always say, information is only as valuable as the action it inspires. Now, today's episode is brought to you by Ovation, the actionable guest feedback platform that actually drives revenue. These days, so many restaurants are using third-party delivery platforms to drive revenue, but once the food goes out the door, it's often impossible to maintain a connection to the guest. So restaurants all over the country now are turning to Ovation to solve that problem. Recently voted the number one guest feedback platform in a nationwide restaurant owner's survey, Ovation uses an SMS-based survey. So we're talking about a text message. They use that as a digital touchpoint that is redefining guest feedback. If the experience was great, your guests are prompted to leave an online review and are then automatically invited back or urged to convert over to first-party ordering. If it wasn't great, you're immediately notified so your team can resolve issues in real time. Get more feedback, more reviews, and more revenue with Ovation. Visit ovationup.com slash chip to get 2,000 free text messages. And don't worry, that link is in the show notes. Now, a friendly reminder that Restaurant Strategy is on Patreon. There are four different tiers of membership. And to all of you who have already supported the show, Thank you. If anyone else out there wants to join the community, please come visit patreon.com slash restaurant strategy. So my guests on today's episode are a husband and wife team, Anthony and Janique Edwards. They are the founders of an app called Eat Okra. Guys, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having us, Chip. Hi, Chip. How you doing? Thank you so much. I'm doing well. <laughs> Happy Tuesday night. They have a night without the kid. And they have not yet packed, and uh, I'm told that they're leaving first thing in the morning for Miami, uh, so sunnier weather uh, than here. Um, and I'm very grateful that they carved 
uh, time out of their night and they procrastinated um, uh, packing so that we could do this interview. Uh, so thank you guys for doing that. Yeah. Anything, anything for you, Chip. For sure. <laughs> I know you, you get a night without the kid and you spend it with me here recording a podcast. So that's a that's a special kind of person. Uh, I wouldn't so thank have you it any other way. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I appreciate it. So there's a lot that I want to talk about. Um, your guy's story is really interesting. Uh, the story of this app is really interesting. The story of the growth of the app is really interesting. Um, and then, you know, above all else, um, the, you know, your ability, uh, we were talking before we hit record here, um, the opportunity you have to kind of peek behind the curtains at a lot of businesses and to, um, to touch and connect with a lot of chefs, operators, restaurant owners, managers, marketers. So I, I want to get to all of that. Um, but Take me back a little bit, um, if you will, because um, as I look over my notes, uh, your guys' relationship is kind of tangled with, you know, the, the start of your relationship is tangled with the start of the company. So talk to me, when did you guys meet? Where did you guys meet? How, how, did, that, how did that happen? Let's start there. Yeah, so technology is really at the foundation, I believe, of our relationship. We met on Tinder. Um, we matched on Tinder in July, 2015 Yeah, and, uh, you know, it was a, a quick courting session, <laughs> very quick courting session. And, you know, we, we started Eat Oprah less than a year from yeah, that time. It was very close to a year, Mark, where, when you moved to Brooklyn. Yeah. So I moved to Brooklyn back in spring, 2016, um, April to be specific, <laughs> I'm from the Bronx. I was born in the Bronx, raised in the Bronx. Um, I've lived in Queens. I've lived in Harlem. But I never lived in Brooklyn or ventured to Brooklyn, really. So I didn't really know anything about Brooklyn as a borough or specifically the neighborhood that I was living in. So I was, you know, really desperate to to move um, into my new apartment. And I moved before I had any like furniture or anything delivered yet. I didn't have a refrigerator or a stove to cook or store food. Um, we were. Jeez, at- you're really roughing it. Yeah. We- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I I would. No appliances. Just just I moved in my bed and that's it. Yeah, just the air mattress. <laughs> I didn't even have a bed yet because I was waiting for that to be delivered yeah. too. One of those plastic tables with a chair that everybody. <laughs> yes, I know. Move. I know. We were we were all there at one point, yeah. and then you slowly grow up and you start replacing like that furniture with like with like real furniture real, and it's nice furniture. becoming an adult. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was I was living with my mom. I went to school. I graduated from Lehman College, studied English. I was working with the government. I'm still with the government now. But I was just trying to save up money because, you know, as you know, New York is it's very expensive place to live. So, yes, I know. <laughs> uh, I was saving up money and, and paying off my student loans. And I finally found a nice little place out here in Brooklyn that I could afford. And so I was like, I'm out of here. Like, I'm moving. I don't care what I have or don't have. It's, <laughs> I'll make yeah. it work somehow. So, yeah, we moved out here and we quickly realized that we didn't know anything about the area. And we started building Eat Okra kind of as a way to help us, you know, just explore Brooklyn and get to know Brooklyn and get to know the businesses in the area. Um, like I said, you know, I didn't have any way to cook or store food. So naturally we needed to go out. You had to and, go out. So yeah, to eat. So I want to pause real quick here because, cause I love it because eat okra, the app, 
you know, was really came out of you trying to scratch your own itch. So, so talk to me about, so talk to me about the app. So, and then I want to go back in and I want to, I want to talk cause you're not, I'm not going to let you out of that easy. Cause I want to know more about the early days and, uh, we can't skate over some of the details because I think it's fascinating that you like met and started a, a company together before you did like any other, like, like a business relationship is like a really big deal, but like you were like, yeah, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's start it. Let's start a company together. So, but we're going to get back to that. I'm not going to let you get off that easy. What is eat okra? So, so tell people what it is. Yeah. So eat okra is a mobile directory app that connects diners to black owned food and beverage companies around the country. And so it started off just here in New York city or really just in like, your neighborhood, so, so you, you built it, and then like like how did it how did it start, and how did it expand, and how did it grow to then eventually be what it is now, which we will get to. I don't want to put the cart before the horse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it, it started. Um, how did it start? With you being a developer, <laughs> right? And, and so so we should say that, right? So Anthony is a developer, and you had the knowledge, the skill set to be able to to build this thing from scratch, which most people don't, but you did. And so you were like, hey, I can do this. Yeah, it was like, a, it started out as a passion project. Um, you know, I'm trying to level up my skills as a developer. I graduated, well, I, I was just getting out of the army a few years prior. Um, I went to college at Fordham University, got my computer science degree, followed that up with, a, I went to dev boot camp to get my some more technical experience after college. And then shortly after I met Janique, and then we, we started this venture. But really, you know, before it, we came incorporated and, and got all the legal stuff out the way, um, it was just a passion project. You know, it was, it was a passion project for about four or five years. And, you know, once we decided we were gonna like, you know, work on this project together, uh, it took about seven months before we had an MVP that was in the app stores. And almost immediately when we um, shared it, right, we, well, not shared it, but we, we put it in the app stores and then we're like, we're going to test this thing. So we used it and we, we found a new restaurant in Harlem called um, B Squared. And we went to the restaurant, we sat down, there happened to be a woman next to us who was, she was sitting by herself, but she knew like the owners and stuff. So I, I so for some reason we had started chatting back and forth and I was like, I was like, this is what happened. I, I was kind of like, tell her about the app. Tell her about the app. Right. And Anthony was like, <laughs> he was like oh, I don't really want to tell her about it. You know, because at the time it was just kind of really just us using it. And we, you know, we told like our friends and family and we weren't really sharing it with other people. So I was like, if you're not going to tell her, I'm going to tell her. So I was like, nice. you know, we started talking and I was like, yeah, we created this app that helps that makes it super easy for people to find black owned restaurants. And she was like, what? That's amazing. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I'm going to download it right now. In fact, I'm going to tell all of my friends about it, too. Yeah, yeah she happened to be part of like a, she, a sorority. She was a sorority and she was kind of higher up in the sorority. So she just started sharing it to a lot of people in Atlanta and and. We were like, no, you can't do that. We don't have any listings in Atlanta. <laughs> we have, yeah. you know, it'll work in Atlanta if we had locations and stuff. But so she did it. They immediately started sending us more black owned restaurants to add to our directory. 
I raced home that evening and started finding more restaurants. We both did and started adding more listings in that area. So, you know, you don't want to open an app and see nothing, right? So it's yeah. like a bad experience. So we were really conscious about that. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was just funny. It just, just happened. Like, and then it started seeing like, oh, there is like a, a good segment of people that are just looking for this kind of product, you know, specifically. Yeah. Um, to just support, you know, either they, they're looking for some Caribbean food or they want to support a black owned business or they just want something different to eat. I mean, even, you know, Carla Hall, you know, we, we were able to connect with her this year and she, you know, let us know that she'd been using the app since 2018. And we're like, that's amazing. Yeah. Like we're like panicking, thinking back, like, did we, was that the old version or the new version? <laughs> Should we be embarrassed that the, she the saw that? Just were a little distorted and then, you know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So in the beginning, so, or, and, and tell me how it is now, like how you guys work in the beginning, you were going and actually like plugging in the listings. Now can like a business go on and like put themselves on there, like, you know, claim the page, so to speak, or can users add it? Like, how does it work? I assume you could keep up with it in the beginning and you couldn't then keep up with it at a certain point to program everything, right? Yeah. I mean, at, even at its core, the app always had the ability to add restaurants to our platform or suggest new restaurants to the platform from, from day one. Yeah. So how it started was I was really primarily doing the research and, and finding the restaurants and that's how we started like slowly building our directory. And when we started here in Brooklyn, and then we expanded to the other boroughs until we, you know, covered New York City or we had a significant amount in New York City. And then we started moving on to different states. But as, you know, more people started to use the app, then we started seeing more users submit listings to us and it became sort of crowdsourced. So, you know, we ended up actually having like a backlog of probably around 2,000 to 3,000, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so people were submitting restaurants to us at a rate that we could not, you know, handle. It's yeah. two of us and we both work full-time jobs. So, you know, that's kind of how it started. And then, you know, it started with just us. And then the community started really powering, you know, the app themselves and saying, hey, I know of this great Black-owned restaurant. How come it's not on the app? You guys should add this one. You guys should add that one all over the country. Yeah. I mean, this is that that network effect, right? That like, you know, this is one of those things that it's better the more that people use it, that the more people that use it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a chicken and the egg problem, right? Yeah. We can't go to restaurants and say, you know, sign up for our platform. Give us some money every month to do it. We're going to market you and, and put you in front of a lot of people. And it's like, well, how many people? I don't know, 10 10 people, you know, 10 people using the app right now, you know, maybe a hundred in a week are using it, you know, um, but now that's kind of reversed, you know, now we have to date, we've had about 335,000 people download the app and we have 9,000 listings on the app and now owners can sign up themselves the full process, you know, yeah. themselves. Yeah. And claim their listings now to manage their, their own data. Yeah. That, so. That's, I assumed that that was going to have to come at some point. Cause it's like you said, Janique, it's just, there's too many, too many to keep up with. We, we can't, you, you can't possibly do that. So you started off with 10 people downloading the app. It was like the two of you, your family and all of that. And now you're at more than 300,000. Um, 
but I, so I want to go back and talk about that trajectory um, again because I think the growth of it is really interesting. Um, but I, like I said, I don't, I don't want to let you off the hook. So you met, you started dating, you moved, you started a company together, and then eventually, then you got around to getting married. We, we figure we have all these other legal documents binding us together to our company. <laughs> um, that was going so well. You were like, well, okay, let's make it official, um, and then. You've got a kid now. You've got a daughter, right? Yes. And so it's, it's like a lot of life that's happened. That's a lot <laughs> yeah. of that's a lot of like stuff that's happened in a short time. I mean, again, I'm looking at my notes here. I mean, we're talking about, you know, five, six years, and this has been pretty crazy. And then of course then you've said you've maintained your day jobs all along, meanwhile building this little like side hustle that's now exploding. So Talk to me about those, again, go back to the early days of the app. When you started getting people on there, did you put people on there and then like go knock up and say, hey, we started this app and it's a way for people to find black owned businesses and we put you on here and 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 take a look. And how did that go? And talk to me about what the response was from some of the business owners. Uh, we Very different now, this question now than then, I think. Uh, I think. What do you mean? Yeah, we we were kind of shy too when we we kind of first started out. So you know, Anthony, we're both perfectionists in a way. So we wanted to make sure that when we presented the app to people, that it was you know it was a product that we could proudly present to them. Um, and that took you know a few iterations you know for us to, to get to to actually stand in front of business owners and say, hey, this is something that we made and and not feel like, oh, this kind of looks crazy or why isn't this, you know, working yet? And <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, we, we got our first download in May 2017. By December 2017, we had 347 downloads and then 12,000 by January, 2019. But in between that time, we got engaged in June, 2017. Anthony rebuilt the app, 2018. And then like, I think 2020 was the year where everything just kind of exploded. Of course, between yeah. then and now we got married, 2018. We had our daughter in 2019. But 2020 was the year where it was just like, okay, like we have so much traction. I think we had a hundred thousand downloads that year alone. So we were just like, okay, now, now is the time to really, you know, take this to these business owners and, and show them, you know, what we created and show them like, okay, we really have a significant amount of users. So I was just gonna say, so so did you really not show it to people really until you got into like 2020? Well, we showed, we showed owners that the app, but they were like, oh, okay, what? I don't get it. <laughs> 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 I don't get it. And then some of them got it. The more tech savvy ones were like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, okay, I, I get it. And then, you know, asking like for like intellectual property is, you know, how does this benefit me? You know, some of them are really like in tune with, with apps and they got it back then. And then, you know, many of them were like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah but now it's like oh this is great you know because everything since really covid it's it's a lot more web presence it's about understanding like that you gotta have a good presence on social media your website you know on the 
delivery platforms and everything in between, you know? So now they're like understanding like another app that has a focused community on my product. Yeah, and so so tell me about, you know, where what the app is now. So you said it's a directory, it's where I can scroll through and find things, but can I reserve things through there? Can I uh, order online there? Like, talk to me about like the functionality of, of what you built. So yeah, at the moment, the features are really just, you can, you know, browse the directory. You can start your order for delivery on the app. So, you know, we have all the the big players listed on there, Uber Eats, Grubhub, uh, DoorDash. You can start that delivery process on eOkra. Um, and you can leave reviews for restaurants. You can check into restaurants. You could bookmark restaurants for later. You can create collections. Like, let's say you're going to Miami tomorrow and you want to, uh, <laughs> you want to, you know, build a, a collection of restaurants that you want, might want to check out when you get there. You can do that. You can share that collection to your friends and say, Hey, I went to Miami this weekend. Here are all the, the really cool restaurants that I visited that's on Eat Okra. You should check them out, too, next time you're in the city. Um, and, you know, we're also working on a marketplace where you can buy, you know, Black-owned uh, food products like condiments, teas, uh, coffees, spices, rubs, you name it. Uh, fill your pantry with, with, with Black-owned products. And we're also working on an ordering uh ordering piece too right like yeah so the app, soon so. hopefully with the next by the end of q2 start of q3 we should have an ordering solution in the app so you can do the full order and takeout right within eat okra the app wow it's, uh, it's amazing but that wasn't so that's where it is now but it took a lot of time to kind of get it the functionality as robust as it is oh yeah yeah i mean this wasn't an overnight like success by any means you know it was a lot of 30 extra hours a week just for the last three years without any kind of investment or any kind of momentum engagement you know you know a few engagements um peaks here and there but you know it's just really about a passion and, and really seeing this project through yeah for sure i mean I, I mean i love this thing and the app's beautiful it was uh as soon as we were first introduced i downloaded the app so i've got it here i live in brooklyn and i'm always looking for great new places to support great new places to eat all of that um, talk to me now. So you said, you know, 2020 was a watershed year, obviously in, in so many ways for all of us who have been trapped inside now for 14 months, <laughs> it was, um, it was crazy, but you know, two really important things happen as it relates to eat okra. And, and I want you guys to, to tell me if I'm wrong or weigh in, you know, certainly you can speak to it more than I can, but, uh, number one, uh, COVID hits and we're all trapped inside. And like you said, digital really, uh, comes to the front and center because you can't go to restaurants and order in. You're stuck inside. And so it does become about, you know, ordering in, getting takeout, delivery, you know, all of that. Your product, you know, this app obviously facilitates that um, really smoothly and efficiently. But then the other thing that really happens is the murder of George Floyd in uh, the end of May into June. And, you know, suddenly again, kind of racial inequality in this country is thrust front and center. Uh, Black Lives Matter, all the protests that are going on all summer long. And there is this push um, to support Black-owned businesses. And, and it was not just Eat Okra. I mean, it was it was nationwide all over. Um, the restaurant, the group that I was working for uh, right before the pandemic uh, was Olmstead up in Prospect Heights. And Chef Greg Backstrom 
um, shut down both of his restaurants, turned one of them basically into a, a food pantry for uh, for restaurant workers that were suddenly thrust out of out of their jobs. And across the street, you know, when May and June hit, uh, he had another restaurant called Maison Yaki, and he opened that. He basically couldn't staff it, and he said, I can't open it. I can't afford to staff it, uh, but I've got a restaurant that just is dying to be filled, and so he opened it up to uh, to a series of uh, African-American entrepreneurs to do whatever they wanted to with it, and he said, I'm going to give it to you for two weeks each, and if you want to run a pop-up kitchen or a bakery or, you know, takeout or whatever you want to do, it is yours, and... And for him, it was like it was again all you know stemming from this this place. So, so talk to me about the convergence of those two things because that I think is is really baked right into this whole story of the success of your app. And 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 so speak to a little bit about that about your journey over the course of the year and 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 the app and how it related to that. Yeah, I'll start. I, I think even prior to George Floyd and COVID, we started Eat Okra during. Um, 45's first uh, win, right? Election. Election year. So there was a lot of racial tension going on at that time, and we felt like this app was a sense of our activism in that way as well. And then fast forward. His death kind of uh, sparked that whole you know, social justice movement. And at the time, I think a lot of people, there was nothing to do, right? Um, we bought up all the toilet paper. I remember. We were... <laughs> We we made all the bread we can make, um, but no, seriously, you know, we were just home. There was, you know, all the programming was kind of everything was shut down. You know, there were no, there was no TV, no sports, no basketball, none of that. So it kind of slowed the world down in a sense and kind of forced everyone to kind of sit still and, and to to kind of hone in on one moment. And pay attention. Yeah, and and really pay attention, and so his death kind of, not kind of, but really sparked that movement. And everyone started having these conversations about what it means to support the black community and how can we go about supporting the black community um, and how can the black community support itself? So, you know, a lot of conversations started shifting towards, you know, the, the issues and the systemic issues that a lot of black business owners um, have been facing for for years, and what can we do to to right those wrongs? And you know, a lot of people just was like, we got to support these businesses, especially businesses uh, in the restaurant space, because restaurants had been hit so hard because of COVID specifically. So I think, you know, one person tweeted, "Hey, you know, if you want to support Black." restaurants there's this app called eat okra they have like over three thousand restaurants listed on it download the app to find restaurants in your area and it was like the tweet just went crazy like it was just retweeted i don't even know how many times and then it went from you know it spilled over from twitter to instagram and the next thing you know we went from like five thousand instagram followers to like 20,000 Instagram followers. <laughs> um, and that was just, you know, we were on the, we were like watching all of this and we're like, oh my God, like this is crazy yeah. because we'd had spikes before, you know, for Black History Month or something like that. I think our biggest spike was like 20,000 for, for the Black History Month that year. 
So we thought that was like amazing. We were like, wow, 20,000 downloads in one month. This is great. And then we got like 80,000 in June alone. There is no better marketing than word of mouth, like a, like a recommendation from a, a friend or a family member. The Restaurant Funnel sales system is built with that principle in mind, guaranteed to deliver new guests to your restaurant. They accelerate that traditional word of mouth process utilizing both paid and organic channels. Restaurant Funnel will help you generate leads, will help you turn those leads into contacts, and then convert those contacts into actual guests that will rave about their experience. Through engaging, personalized, and measurable communications, those guests are nurtured into becoming super fans. To get started, they offer a free marketing report card for your business. Visit restaurantfunnel.com slash chip to learn more. And of course, that link is also in the show notes. I want to go back because there, there are two things that you said that I think are really, really important um, that, that really strikes me that, you know, when 45 took office and and all the tensions that that stemmed from that. And you said this was your your version of activism. Right. And, and I and I love I think that's really beautiful. I think that's there's something really positive, which it is right that that, you know, you're while this guy was built, you know, was busy tearing down. Um, that you guys were building up. Um, and I think that's really, I don't, and I don't think a lot of people respond that way. I mean, certainly I was exhausted by it all. Yeah. You know, it was, it was an exhausting, uh, stretch of four years. Um, and I think, uh, and I think that was true no matter, uh, which side politically you, you know, you, you stand on, uh, cause I know there are people listening that, uh, that fall on all sides of this. And I, th- I think it was a really exhausting, uh, time. And I think, um, and I think yes. we're, we're better than that collectively. And I think we can all agree on that. <laughs> but then. The other piece to this um, that you said, Janique, and, and I want to make sure to, to zero in on this and make sure we're talking about this, is that the restaurant industry is so hard on its own. Anybody listening to this podcast knows that. They understand that. They, they live that. That's, that's in their bones. I've been doing this for 20 years, and I've looked at enough P&Ls and, and, and had to do this um, that I know how tight the margins are and all of that. But you talk about you know some of the systemic racism and, and the inequality that's just prevalent that that has been here for hundreds of years and so i wonder if you could talk a little bit about that you know when we talk about black owned businesses and you know black entrepreneurs and restaurateurs and all of that speak to that and and kind of as you came to understand it either you know in building this app or through this app can can you talk a little bit about what makes it so so different or harder or all of that i mean speak to the reality that you kind of discovered through this process i mean I guess you can kind of start with, you know, one of the main challenges is is access to capital, right? Um, you know, it's extremely difficult for for black business owners to receive loans, um, favorable loans, favorable yeah. loans, um, just to get approved for a loan. It's 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 more difficult for black business owners to get approved. Um, just startup capital you know that's something that is difficult and hard to come by Uh, we could speak to that personally you know trying to to build a business we don't have investors even with you know 330,000 users we don't have investors knocking down our doors saying hey can we please invest in your platform Um, but you see you know other companies and I, I won't name you know specific you know platforms but 
you know, they 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 get investments left and right without even a, a proof of con- a proof of concept or you know like without users basically. Yeah. So um, I think it's that. Some other. I, I think it's mentorship um, training um, is is a, is an issue. Uh, specifically in the restaurant industry, um, a lot of times, you know, with 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 black black restaurateurs, you know, you start out kind of cooking in, at home, um, and you know, you fall in love with cooking. People fall in love with your food. Your family is like, "Oh, your food is amazing. You should open up a restaurant." And you're like, "You know what? I'm gonna do that." But you really don't know the ins and outs of, of running a restaurant as a business. You know, you love cooking. You're really great at cooking. But do you know how to run a restaurant? That's a It's a totally different thing, you know. So it's also that, you know. Um, and then it's also, you know, digital challenges as well. Running a restaurant, you know, 10, even 10 years ago, and the importance of having a digital presence, it's, it's totally different from, from now. Now, you know, you absolutely need to have a digital presence to connect with your community. Uh, before, it was really just about the food, you know, and, and if you make great food, then people will come. And I'm not saying that people won't come now if, you know, the food isn't great, but... No, but it's true. I, I, I always say this, that that it's still about word of mouth, right? That's still the most powerful tool we have. It's just the way we utilize it is different. And I always give the example that like, you know, my wife and I get together with another couple, you know, 10 years ago, it is, uh, we sit down and say, hey, have you guys been anywhere good recently? And then they would say, oh, oh, we went to this place last weekend and and they would tell us about it. But now we see it on Instagram and that prompts us to say, okay, when we see that couple next weekend, let's make sure to ask them about that. And then it comes up in conversation. We're like, hey, we saw on Instagram that you went to that place. How was it? Was it really as good as the pictures made it seem? And, you know, it's the same thing. It's word of mouth. It's just sparked in a, in a, in a different way. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah. And, and one other thing I would add is, you know, to that was it's real estate, you know, in favorable leases like education and making sure you're getting a nice lease. You know, a big problem is we can't afford great real estate all the time. You know, or get into those fancy um, smorgasbord areas, you know, where they're housing a bunch of stuff. You know, you have to have capital for those things. You know, that's another problem we see. Yeah. I, I mean, I love it. That, again, that this is, you know, your, you know, your activism, you know, the, the way that you can um, bring these things to the forefront and celebrate, uh, you know, all of these entrepreneurs and all of that. I, I, I love it. I'm, I'm blown away by what you guys have built. Um, while you've built your family and and your life together that you're doing this and it's all kind of wrapped up all into one i love it yeah and i want to make the point to say too like we're still learning about about those challenges ourselves you know um we built the app from the perspective of consumers you know who want to support these businesses but as we you know grow and learn more we're like wait a minute there are challenges that we didn't even necessarily know about, you know, until we kind of took a deeper dive into the industry and, you know, the the community that we were serving. So, you know, we're still learning about these things, but this is, you know, this is our starting point of our activism. Um, and we feel like it's a, it's a good starting point for everyone, you know. Um, not everyone, you know, we don't know of how we can tackle this thing from a a much larger systemic level but 
you know, it's a it's a place to start, you know, and as we grow and as we learn more, you know, that that activism, of course, is, is going to grow as well. Yeah. And what we've um, been doing on our back end, right on the front end, it's a, it's a directory. You know, we're helping putting butts in the seats, expanding that knowledge, that brand identity for the restaurants. But on the back end, we partnered with Pepsi to provide better or a, a greater opportunity to get cheaper uh, pour, right, for for your, your soda, your fountain drinks, right? We're working with Uber Eats to get a, a better uh, rate on your, your service fees or even a free for, I think, the rest of the year, a free option. Um, and, and we're working with other companies in that way to provide a, a, a more of a discount, exclusive discounts once you sign up on our platform. So this is specifically relationships that you're building with companies uh, that you're, that the restaurants listed on here can take advantage of yeah it's extremely important to us to even if it's just like it amounts to a, a thousand or two thousand in a year those those thousands two thousands add up you know and and that's what we want to do yeah yeah cool so uh so again it, it, we've talked a lot about the beginning and and the starting and how it grew small and then in 2020 it really skyrocketed and now you're at you know over three hundred thousand downloads and i know you guys have a lot of stuff going on over the, you know, over the coming year, over the, the summer. So talk to me a little bit more about, you know, some of the partnerships and the things that you're exploring and the things you're doing this summer. And, and then I want to talk about, you know, long-term vision and world domination, uh, but we'll get to that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> world domination. <laughs> um, yeah, so as, you know, Anthony mentioned, we have a partnership with Pepsi. Uh, Pepsi recently uh, started, well, they started an initiative last year, which was a five-year, $400 million um, racial equality commitment to the Black community. Um, and $50 million of that is going to be invested into small Black-owned businesses. So as a part of that 50 million, they created a campaign called the, De the Pepsi Dig In campaign. And we partnered with them to kind of address some of those systemic issues that a lot of black owned restaurants are facing. Like I mentioned earlier, access to capital, mentorship and training, um, you know, digital challenges, uh, you know, startup issues that a lot of restaurants are facing as well. Um, and yeah, that whole that whole campaign, what they're trying to do is kind of fortify, you know, black owned restaurants and also, you know, galvanize users and, and rally them up to kind of uh, support these restaurants in hopes that they will generate over a hundred million dollars in revenue for them over the course of five years. Five years. Yeah, so we're working with them um, and our, you know, role in the whole thing is to just kind of uh, bring people to the restaurants. You know, we're that source that people are going to be using to to find, you know, exactly where these restaurants are located. So we're super happy about that. We're super proud to to be a part of that campaign and that initiative. And it's really just been a really great experience working with Pepsi and learning from them um, and kind of, you know, working with their team as well. So Yeah, awesome. And then you had said uh, the other, so Uber Eats, you started partnering with as well? Yeah, 
so with Uber Eats, we've been working with them for the past six months or so, and and we've been working with them to do some socially distanced uh, events and activations in different areas. So we started in Harlem at Strivers Row, um, called the Harlem Renaissance Pavilion, and they set up different pop-ups during the winter time so that restaurants could operate outdoors and the customers could be a little bit more comfortable. And they had some, and they partnered with different um, local talent for artistry and architecture and, and with the restaurant owner to build like specific pop-ups unique to that business. So that was an amazing um, opportunity to, to partner with them on that. And then this month, well, the start of April, they launched another uh, similar event or, or space where they were bringing uh, f- restaurants to to um, have residency throughout the year at this at the place called the Sandlot near um, the National Stadium. Okay. In DC. In, in Washington DC. So that just started, and you know they have different food trucks out there, different restaurants, or the restaurants are operating out of food trucks. Yeah. Uh, at space. Yeah. So there's food trucks and then there's a a, a residency kitchen so you're kind of opting into like this uh rotating residency program which is going to last uh, i think until the end of the year and right now they have two locations in sandlot southeast and then sandlot northwest um and then i think they're going to be working on another location as well in dc so it's it's a really great um really great opportunity for 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 those who are kind of getting their feet wet in in the industry and also those who are just like okay let's try to you know if you have a brick and mortar you're kind of forced to operate within within one area but if you participate in this program you get to kind of touch you know uh people in another part of the city and, and get them familiar with your food and your business as well right so it's it's a really great opportunity for the restaurants and the participants. Um, and then like our, our one of our other bigger partners, we have a collaboration with Apple. We, we create guides, custom guides, um, and we partnered with different celebrities and local influencers to create these lists in different areas. So on the app, there's like like specific like celebrities, like they put their like top 10s that we're talking about? Yeah, so Apple, you know, if you have, a, I don't know if you have an iPhone. Do you have an iPhone? I got an iPhone. I'm, I'm like all all Apple. I'm like all. <laughs> <laughs> so on the Apple Maps app, they have um, something called Apple Guides. And Apple Guides are basically recommendations for great places to shop, to eat, things to do in uh, cities across the country. So the program is an invite-only program, and we were fortunate to be one of the uh, organizations that they reached out to to participate in the program. And what we decided, you know, was to kind of use the opportunity to collaborate with different people from across the country to share their favorite uh, Black-owned businesses that they love in cities across the country. Because we felt like, you know, those stories are always unique and yep 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 that's us oh look at dom i just found it i was uh <laughs> dom is a I had local harlem influencer yep i yeah. had to go find it i was like no way i've never used this feature before i'm uh i'm so excited look at this nice <laughs> love it yeah. so we've partnered with the uh, carla hall chef jj um soul food scholar 
Adrian Miller, who's a James Beard Award-winning uh, author. Um, he just put out a book called Black Smoke. So everyone should okay. check that out. It's really good. All right, we're getting yeah, book I'm recommendations. Like, well, I, I need to check Adrian Miller. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah, will put the link in the a, show notes. <laughs> we even had a Broadway producer. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's, he's not on Broadway yet, but um, Nolan Williams is a he's a uh, composer um, and he's uh, he has a show called Grace. It's a musical and they just got approved. Their show is going to be um, going to be featured at Forbes Theater in D.C. Yeah. Uh, the hope is that they're going to start there. Uh, I think it's spring 2022 and hopefully they'll make it to New York to Broadway. Let's see. I mean, that's the hope. He, nice. Yeah, it, it's pretty great. He, he created a, a guide in Philadelphia of restaurants that kind of embody the spirit of, of the musical that he created. So Yeah, people nice. use it in different ways, so it's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. I'm so glad you guys told me about this. I didn't even know these guides existed, and now I got the Eat Okra Guide. Uh, yeah, we have about 17, I think. I'm going to go find them all. <laughs> yeah, I think you can just type in Eat Okra and our guides will all show up. Yeah, if you, know? you type it in the search bar, just type in Eat Okra. Well, well now I know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, so then so then talk to me about then moving forward, then like the rest of the summer. I know you got some stuff cooking here. And then again, as promised, we'll talk about world domination. <laughs> yeah, so um, I think our plan really for the rest of the year is to really get in front of you know, restaurant owners and business owners. That's really our plan. Um, of course, we want to continue to, you know, grow our database. We want more people to download the app and to use the app. Um, but I think, you know, right now, I think it's important for people to kind of see us. Uh, we've been kind of laying low for a really long time. And then, you know, of course, we had to because of, of COVID. But you know, we want to get out there and, 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 you know, introduce ourselves to these restaurants, let them know who we are, what we built, um, show them how people have been using our platform to support their businesses um, and also support other people in the community who are, you know, working really hard locally to support the local restaurants in, in their areas. I think it's really important. Um, because we're a national brand and we can't be everywhere, you know, no, you cannot, <laughs> not, and I just don't believe in reinventing the wheel. So I love collaborating with people. I love working with people. I think it's the best way to get things done. And, you know, I think that's really going to be our focus going forward. Yeah. And so, then on a technical, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, so sorry to interrupt you. I, so I wanted to just get in here. So then quickly then. If there are operators listening to this and they want to get listed on the app, what's the what's the process to do that? Do they just go in there and like claim their page like you would uh, Google My Business or Yelp? Yeah, it's very similar. You you would go to the website. Uh, there's a there's a big orange button, gold like our, our our version of orange, and it says get listed. You click that, and then from there you just answer some questions. What you, is the website? Oh, www.eatokra.com. And that will be in the show notes. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't let us get off this 
get off this interview uh, before we before we sent people to where they needed to go. So uh, rest assured, we would not. So they go to the website and then there's the big button and it's very clear. It just kind of walks them through that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You go through the form, you fill out, you pick a, a plan, a, um, a subscription plan, free. Everybody gets a free plan, but you can opt in to get uh, a different plan, which will give you more abilities and more discoverability and favorable placement in the app. And there, from there, we do like a, a simple vetting process. You know, we do an interview with you and then you're in the app. And then what if there's somebody listening to this podcast that says, oh, I, I don't know. I don't own a restaurant, but I know of some places that should definitely be on this. Do you still do like the, you know, the recommendations or do they just have to go tell the business owner to do it? How, how does that process work? No, absolutely. You can, within the app on the, the third, the fourth tab all the way to the right, you click it at the top, it says um, recommend a business. So you click that, there's about four fields. I think we really only require two, the name and the city state. And then from there, we, we get notified that you submitted a new listing and then we'll take it from there. Nice. Awesome. Okay. So it's easy for, uh, easy to recommend, easy for um, operators to list their business on there. Um, world domination. So what's the plan for this thing? I mean, keep growing, keep growing, keep growing, get more businesses on here. You talked about moving over to like consumer packaged goods and, and, and building it in that direction. What else is kind of on the roadmap? How else do you see this app growing? Yeah, I think um, first we start with getting ordering in the app. Simultaneously, we're working on our marketplace. So hopefully that kind of grows and people really support us in that. So we'll put more effort and money behind that and really grow, get more um, caterers, chefs and restaurants that make their own products and, and just other people who just like to make coffee, get them into the app or into the app and, and get into the marketplace, right? Yep. Um, we want, we're really focused on events as well. So there's a lot of food festivals and brunch parties and baking classes and, and things like that, that a lot of, you know, black chefs and caterers are all doing as well. So we want to provide a, we are, and we're already doing that, provide a space for that, for discoverability, purchase tickets or book that online, um, you know, webinar, you know, to attend. And then we're getting overseas. We want to not keep this in the United States. We want to get this to Toronto, Canada. Well, the same thing. Um, <laughs> UK, <laughs> South Africa. You know, we really want this thing to to grow beyond U.S., right? Because we're everywhere as well. Nice. So that'll bring you up to the end of the year. No. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be a that, that'll be a, a, a longer uh, a longer play here to to move it internationally i imagine right yeah hopefully we can raise and then move real quickly when it comes to that time to scale in those areas and then scale the software and all that that goes with it you know awesome uh listen i i love what you guys are building um i love that you gave me the opportunity to um to chat about it and bring this story to the listeners um I guess I want to finish up uh, with these last couple of questions. Like, one of the best parts about my job, uh, and and one of the real opportunities I see for being a podcast host, is that I get to meet a lot of other 
restaurant owners. I get to meet a lot of other chefs. I get to kind of peek behind the curtain uh, at a lot of businesses. And then I get to bring the insights, the things I've learned to the audiences here. And and some of that is the consulting work I do, you know, the one-on-one work. And some of it is just through like emails that I get from, uh, from people. And I, and I get to um, share those stories. And, and I think you're in a really similar position where you've, uh, you've gotten to peek behind the curtain at a lot of different restaurants. And are there any common threads? What are the things you've learned over the last, you know, I'll say 12 months, because it's been a tumultuous 12 months. Like, what are the things you've learned from the operators that you can pass on to other, you know, operators, the, the people that are listening? You know, what are the commonalities? What are the what are the, the nuances? You know, your app has given you a unique perspective and a unique view of this. And, and what can you share with us about that? Um, I think what we notice a lot of times with you know a, a lot of restaurateurs is that you know they they're trying to uh wear so many different hats and you know it's really impossible to to run a business while also like trying to do literally everything <laughs> <laughs> but it's also difficult to, you know, your business is your baby. And we know that from our personal experience yeah. that like, you know, sometimes it's, it's hard to kind of relinquish that control. Um, but it, it's really important. Uh, we work with uh, Jason Wallace. He's a part of our team. He's the director of business solutions. And one of the things that he always talks to us about is he does consulting work as well in New York City and the New Jersey area. And one of the things that he says is is probably like the, the most challenging thing for for restaurateurs is uh, relinquishing that control and, and, and taking a step back and just focusing on the numbers, right? And, and letting uh, other people kind of fill those positions and take on those responsibilities, those other responsibilities. So I think that's something that, you know, that we've noticed um, and, you know, is a, is a major challenge, especially for, for black restaurateurs. But- yeah. And I think, you know, there's there's some legacy restaurants out there that haven't come up to the times and they're, they're kind of stuck in their ways. And, and during the last 12 months, they've kind of relaxed on that a little bit you know we spoke to a woman yesterday a couple days ago oh yes out of the bronx um johnson's barbecue and they finally let the daughter in to start helping out with the social media now she's getting their um bottled product together get a nice label on it you know get the ingredient list on it so that you know now they can start supplementing their income in other ways you know so yeah, big. yeah. This is a lesson that all, all restaurateurs learned over the pandemic is the the need for diversification, right? Like this is something that the rest of the world has learned, right? Like every other industry, like we do that with our like retirement accounts, like diversify your portfolio. And yet restaurants were, you know, going into the pandemic, they were like, we make our money one way. People come in, they sit down for dinner, they eat, and then they pay us, and then they go. And suddenly when we all got stuck at home, it was like, oh, people can't do that anymore. And we lost, you know, 
all of our revenue streams, and, you know, because there was only one. Uh, and now I think, you know, post pandemic, it's like, no, we need a, we need a plan for in-person dining. We need a plan for takeout and delivery and home meal kits and consumer packaged goods and yeah. offsite catering and cooking classes and like on and on and on. I mean, I think it was uh, I think it was and you're right. And that older generation, I work with a, a couple of clients here in Brooklyn and Queens. Uh, and when their father passed away, they passed on the two restaurants, one to the daughter, one to the son, and they run it. And that restaurant's been going for like, those restaurants have been going for like 50 years and they still, they, they do things the way they do things. They still don't have a, a reservation system. They still just use a big book at the front where they, they write down the names and the times. I mean, it's like, it's crazy, but yeah, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of business owners have, you know, had to like, you know, really race forward, uh, you know, a couple of decades to to keep up with the times. Absolutely. What can you guys tell me? So one of the things that I, I find really interesting is how many outsiders I end up talking to on this podcast, how many outsiders I interview, meaning, you know, people who weren't born into the industry or like had a passion for the industry that like wanted to be a part of food and wine and, and hospitality. Um, I'm always surprised that the kind of people that like came in the back door or the side door and you, and you guys have kind of backed into this industry, you know, come at it through your own direction. So I guess I want to know, you know, in addition to what you just said, are there, is there anything else that struck you as really unusual or strange or really surprised you when you really got a closer look at uh, the inside of the industry? I don't know. I feel like the whole, the whole industry for me was just new. You know, I, I like <laughs> everything about it was, was pretty chaotic, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. We're the generation that kind of, we grew up with with computers. I remember the first time we the the when we got our first computer at home, and you know all we had on it was like Britannica, and I literally stayed on it surfing through Britannica all day, all day long. Yeah, because <laughs> I was like obsessed with it, and yeah. you know for me it was just kind of difficult or not difficult but kind of strange to see you know. Um, that people could be so successful at business for such a long period of time and have, you know, like that disconnect with, with technology, with zero digital presence. Right. And then you start to learn that there's like this, an, an almost like a natural distrust of, of, of technology and rightfully so, because, you know, people are, are, are leery of things that they don't really understand and they want to make sure, Hey, are you building a platform that's going to rip me off or, you know, like, so, yeah. I think I, I, w I wasn't necessarily prepared for that, but at the same time, I, you know, I understand it and it's just like, okay, now that I, now that we know these things, you know, what's going to be our approach to, to business owners. And I think for us, it's very important that people see us, that people understand, you know, the reason why we built our platform and, and understand, you know, our, that it is, embedded in us like it's a part of our values or it's just a reflection of our values and you know what we deem important um supporting our community is something that's really important for us so i i think we have a unique opportunity to kind of go about it from a, a, a different angle and i think people it resonates with people and people connect to that and i i you know i think that's you know something that makes the work um enjoyable for us as well i think for me part of the learning discovery was like 
how tough it is for restaurants, like how much they're really making at the end of the day. Like, mm-hmm. to, I think there's a facade for the, the average person, like what it takes to run a restaurant, to what it takes to manage people, understand not, like your numbers. Not a facade, but I just think people just don't know that how thin those margins are, you know? Um, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, that's, uh, I, I feel like I talk about that all the time. I think that uh, at least here in this country, Americans uh, have a real disconnect to their food, right? We, we show up at a supermarket and everything we could possibly want is there. Fish and pork and steak and cereal and ketchup and like, it all just came to us. And we didn't ask how it got there, who got it there, you know, what was the process? And and I think it's different in, in other parts of the world that, that again, um, that have a different connection with, the land not to be cheesy about it but like you know a deeper connection with you know the food and like and and how it got there um and then there's the other the other piece to it the very real piece to it is just these razor thin profit margins uh that that restaurants operate with that that rent is expensive that uh, labor is expensive especially in new york city i mean we've got you know very high minimum wage which is great for you know for all the citizens here uh, but it does make it challenging um you know, for, uh, for business owners, these are, these are all uh, pieces of the pie. And I've, there was a, an article that was written at this point, maybe two months ago in the, in the LA times. And they were talking about how uh, it was an opinion piece and it said, restaurants should be more expensive. And, and I think we all should be prepared to pay more for it because food is expensive and, and it takes people to make it, prep it, cook it, clear it. You know, we're, we're paying, we're paying for the people. And I think we should be prepared for that as well and and be okay with that celebrate yeah. that and i think now is, is a good time to to kind of explore that um you know we're, we're paying for that service and we're also paying for that for an experience you know you go to a restaurant and it's it's not just the food it's the ambiance it's it's being served it's being waited on you know it's that convenience yeah it's the, it's the convenience you know and you know that's that's yeah that's what we're paying for as well and you know, if it's something that you value and you love, I love restaurants. I love what they bring to our communities. Um, and honestly, if, if that's what it's going to take to keep them the, around, then hey. Yeah, I, yeah. I listen. I think there are a lot of other conversations when you know to be talked about with you know activism. You know, as we get into minimum wage and one fair wage, and you know the 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 la- you know the the inequity between front of house and back of the house. And this is just the tip of the iceberg, but mm-hmm. we will leave the conversation here um, because it's as good a place as any. Um, I, I love, I love what you guys are doing. Um, I love the way you approach this work. Uh, I, I really appreciate the generosity um, you brought to this conversation and to, uh, and to the relationships you're building uh, with your partners and the, and the operators and the restaurants that you're supporting. Uh, before I let you go, tell me uh, tell me and the listeners, where, uh, where can they go to learn uh, more about it? How do they download the app? They go to eatokra.com. What else you got going on? How can they keep, uh, keep up to date with everything that's, uh, that's going on? Yeah, before I answer that, I just want to ask you one question. Do you like okra? <laughs> what if I told you I don't know? i'd say that was a first because most people will say i hate it or i love it i i can't say that i've ever that i've ever had it what okay we can change that you live in brooklyn we can change that yeah we can can change that i grew up in uh in suburban philadelphia in a very kind of like in the 80s and 90s and like like we just didn't 
eat interesting things. We didn't eat different things. We didn't like, like we boiled our hot dogs. We had frozen <laughs> broccoli. Like I talked to my mom about it now because, you know, like I look at other, uh, other people, friends of mine, all that where they had such a different connection to food. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it has to do with your upbringing and, you know, your, your you know, the background and, and all of that. But like food wasn't a huge part of like it just wasn't what we did like we, like we didn't have a lot of interesting food growing up um my grandmother was an amazing baker uh, but we only discovered um at least i only discovered uh, after she had passed away that she like taught herself how to bake that she was a terrible cook growing up that um that she actually didn't even really like to be in the kitchen until she started baking and she built all these recipes herself and you know i, I when i came into the world it just i just took for granted that like that my mom bakes that she makes a killer apple pie and a blueberry pie and and all of this so my connection to food has really been an evolution and especially as i came here to new york and i started working in restaurants and i learned more and knew more and 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 that was again that was part of my evolution and i brought my parents along on that now as they've gotten older they've eaten better and more interesting and now they cook really great like now food is very much part of our family ethos it is what we love to do and you know, Christmas dinner is no longer like the typical Christmas dinner. It's now like we, we like we we dig up some recipe and do like really cool things that we've never like we did short ribs last year because my dad had never had short ribs. Like like just to give you like like yeah. he had never had short ribs. And I was like, we got to have short ribs. So <laughs> yeah. in any event, I can't I'm discovering here being in New York, um, you know, we're here in this very like Russian area of Brooklyn. Uh, we've got this great Azerbaijani restaurant that's right up the street that was reviewed by the New York Times like four years ago. That's like phenomenal. Like, and you'd walk right past it if you didn't if you didn't know it was something. So mm-hmm. I'm constantly learning. Take me out and get me good okra. <laughs> I will, uh, we will have dinner together. Yeah, I think that's funny you say that because me and Janique talk about that all the time, especially with what we feed our daughter. Because like, growing up, I never had zucchini or squash red and green peppers too much you know now or even beets like i would never eat yeah. that growing up and maybe because it was never prepared for me the right way or even given to me we, we kind of like ate the same thing all the time like you know you said but they, they do go hand in hand right like they weren't prepared the right way or you weren't given like it is interesting because i think about the same thing because you know we have a young son and we think a lot about food and we want him to be an adventurous eater and all that and uh, last year we went to Paris. It was a trip we like saved up for and we really wanted to go. And he was finally old enough where we thought he could remember it. And we just really tried to make him an, an adventurous eater. Cause we were like, uh, uh-uh, we're not doing like, you know, we're not doing French fries all, all week long in Paris. And by the time we got there, he ate so many cool things and he still talks about it. Like, like we got langoustines and they like put it on a, on a skewer. So he called it a shrimp lollipop. We were out at this like like really nice restaurant and he's like holding it like it's a lollipop eating the shrimp off there we're like this is great and so but it does it changes it's generational you know like 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 you know better you learn more and you and you just pass it down and and i think that's that's also kind of um that's part of this conversation if it hasn't been said before now i think that's that's part of it right like you know the generations above did what they knew and you know, all of 2020 and the, the kind of watershed moment that it was, you know, we learn better and your brand of activism uh, gives us a, a way to, to do that and to support and to um, to acknowledge that, you know, that there are inequities and that there are, there are things to do um, to, to balance that out. And um, 
so thank you for that. Yeah. So I'll let Janae close it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> tell us, tell us where we can, uh, where we can go find all the things, all the things. Yeah. So you can download the app. It's available in the Apple app store, as well as the Google play store. Just type in eat okra one word. Uh, we're on all the social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, our handle is at Eat Okra the app across all of those platforms. So you can follow us on there to, you know, see what we're up to, where we are, what we're doing. Um, if you're a restaurant owner, please sign up. And yeah, and I do want to do that. That make sure that that we uh, that we hit that as well. Uh, any any restaurant owners out there, and you want to be on the app? You, you this is the first you're hearing of it. Please go ahead and do that. Uh, if there's anybody out there that wants to recommend uh, a business that's not on there, uh, please. There's a really easy way to do that as well, and I think that's the way this stuff spreads. It's the network effect. Uh, the more people are on it, the better it gets. The the more people make recommendations, the the more we start learning. Guys, thank you so much for taking your night off to spend it with me. Go enjoy the rest of your night without child and have a great time in Miami. Safe travels. Thank, thank you, you so much, Chip. Chip. Have a good one. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you find yourself looking for a new restaurant, I hope you'll take a minute and go download the Eat Okra app. It's sleek, beautiful, and very easy to use. Finally then, if you have a spare minute this week, please consider taking a minute to log a review for us on Apple Podcasts. Even if you use another podcast player, uh, consider doing this. Those five-star ratings really do help us reach new audiences. Until next week, stay creative, and I will see you soon. Restaurant Strategy is made possible by the generous support of our sponsors as well as our Patreon supporters. A special shout out to all of our Gold and Platinum members, Ty Hames, Bob and Kate Carpenter, Scott Middleton, Chuck and Denise Close, Stephen and Ann Fagan, Mario D'Amatos, and Christopher Tana. If you want to become a supporter, please go visit patreon.com slash restaurant strategy. Again, the link is in the show notes.